This is Bulls Beat on Bulls Unlimited. Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And thank you for dropping by the Friday show. We've got a lot to get to this weekend as track and field's indoor season begins. You'll hear from head coach Eric Jenkins. Of course, we've got plenty of basketball tonight at the Yingling Center. It's the men against Rice. The Owls feature a standout score, and the Bulls will certainly be aware of him. You'll also hear a little bit of the head coaches of both teams that I just mentioned, Eric Jenkins from track and field, and, of course, Amir Abdurrahim from men's basketball. Some of what they had to say on Bullseye, which debuted Thursday on the channel. Hopefully you heard the show by now. If not, I would highly recommend you either seek it out on the podcast version or on the YouTube version. The video of what Chris Youngblood, well, we'll give you the audio, but you kind of have to see it. Trust me. We'll give you some fun clips here. In our second segment, we'll recap with highlights the career night for Vicki Blasig for women's basketball, and they will be headed on the road. I will be going with them to Texas for two games Sunday afternoon, also against Rice, and then Tuesday night against Texas San Antonio. So next time we're in Tampa doing a show will be Wednesday. Actually, that might be a little tricky because we're going to be getting home so late from UTSA Tuesday that either we're going to push Wednesday's show to Thursday or we might just not do it on the stream and might just give it to you on the podcast page sometime in the afternoon, a.k.a. after I wake up. We'll figure it out, but... Don't expect a show first thing next Wednesday. Also on this show is I got to sit down with the softball team, or at least about half of it, as they're getting ready for their season. They did their photo shoot yesterday, and I got to talk to the captains, Jordan Cadlib and Marissa Tribalpiece. And if you're thinking, okay, that's cool, you'd be right, but Ken Erickson has never named captains. We haven't gotten Ken's side, but we'll get those two ladies' side in our second segment. So it is the men's basketball team going up against Rice tonight. Before we tell you a little bit about the opponent, loved sitting down with Amir Abdurrahim for Bullseye. I was telling you on Wednesday's show, the visuals for this program were pretty cool, thanks to Brian Segrist, who put it all together, along with the crew from Gemstone Media that broadcasts all the ESPN Plus games and does just a phenomenal job. If you guys don't know, South Florida is the standard bearer for producing slash facilities as far as putting together those ESPN Plus broadcasts. And even though I'm on the radio side and technically should consider ESPN Plus my competition, it's something I don't feel. I love ESPN Plus and, yes, would love for you guys to listen to the games on the radio. But my idea, of course, is to, if you want to watch them, just mute that and have us on Bulls Unlimited. Either way, it's a very impressive outfit, and it's actually where I was doing my interviews with softball. So I give them some credit for setting aside a studio for me. You'll hear again softball in our second segment. But anyway, the visual part of Bullseye was great. The audio part I knew would be great. It's an 18-minute segment with the coach. We're scheduled to go between 12 and 15 minutes, and so glad that he gave us all the time. Here are just a couple of minutes, and of course we talk plenty of basketball but Joey Johnston wanted to get into another aspect, and I loved, and I think you'll love what Amir Abdur Rahim had to say. I want to ask you about your family, Coach. I know yeah. as you've progressed through college basketball, you know your wife is a huge part of this, and yeah. you know if you want to move on, you've got to get her approval as a team. Here you are in Tampa, Florida, yeah. with three young children. Yeah. What's life like with your family, with the with the kids, with managing this basketball program? What's uh, tell me about the, the family side of Coach Amir? 
the family side of Coach Amir has improved. Um, Coach Amir used to be the guy that was in the office to 8, 8.15 at night. I'd get home when Layla was, say, three, I might only see her for 15, 20 minutes, right? But what I've, under, what I've learned and how I've grown over the years is that I, I, I'm much better managing my time, you know, and I'm not missing dinner. For, for anything. I'm taking them to school pretty much. I'm not going to say every morning because my wife would strangle me. <laughs> but, <laughs> Tell the truth. I'm taking them to school probably three, three to five days of the week, and it's the highlight of my day. And the girls, it's really cool because, so Layla was born in College Station. Lana was born in Athens. Lana remembers Athens. Layla doesn't really remember College Station. However, this was the coolest part of this year so far. And again, guys, I know the Florida State win was fun. I know, all, like, I get it. The six-game win streak was great. But at Thanksgiving time, when Layla says, Daddy, are my brothers coming over? This was her first time ever saying that. That did more for me because now she feels a part of it. Quick, just quick story, I promise. All right. The, you know, as tough as that loss was against UAB um, on Sunday, and I, I told the guys, like, I hate losing, especially when I know we didn't control the things we could control. I didn't control some things that I could control. But it was the coolest thing after the game. I look up, I got three kids from Kennesaw, from my Kennesaw team, at the game. Yeah. These dudes drove three hours, actually, because Kennesaw is 30 minutes north. So three hours from Kennesaw to Birmingham to see their old crazy coach and a couple of their brothers play. That was cool. So his little daughter considers the basketball team his brothers. His former players at Kennesaw State drove three hours to watch his team. And oh yeah, he does have 12 siblings. And one of them, as we told you about last week, plays for the SMU women's basketball team. So could have kept going down that line. But the good news is we'll do a few more. In fact, three more with Amir Abdurrahim. We can tell you that Jaden Reed will be the next player guest. Because it's just such a busy schedule during basketball of actual games, we could not commit to making bullseye in every week, even though there will be a couple times during the season it will be every week. But for the most part, it's every other week, and we alternate coaches. So not this week coming up, but the following. It'll be Jose Fernandez and Romy Levy with women's basketball, and we will have a non-basketball guest. You'll hear from Eric Jenkins here in a little bit. But yes, Chris Youngblood, and boy, we played a little clip, a teaser on Wednesday's show about how he scuffed up the garage wherever he lived in Georgia. His dad didn't like it because he was throwing the baseball around, and, or at least throwing a tennis ball and, and fielding it like a shortstop would in baseball. But eventually, of course, became a basketball player. His upbringing is pretty cool. How he came here is really cool. And keep in mind, when he's talking, little inside info here, we actually recorded Chris because he had a class, before the coach. So keep in mind that Chris Youngblood is saying this and knowing that his coach is about 20 feet away. Me and Sam go back to high school. Like, That's right. People don't know. Like, we was, we was battling in the same region. He, he went to Willer. And, like, in Georgia, everybody, like, hates Willer. Like, outside of people that went to Willer. So... Isn't that the same <laughs> high school as your head coach? It might be. <laughs> Everybody hates Willie. <laughs> so, man, like. You can't but, believe your friends. Yeah, so, me and Sam, we've been competing for a while. And I'm, I'm like, 
I've always respected him as a competitor. But so I knew, like, when he stayed, I knew like, what you would get from him every single day. Because mm. I remember battling him in high school. I'm like, man, I do not want to compete against this dude today. Because, man, like, he's just he was just so strong and big. Like, he never, like, like you know you had to get some extra rest the night before you played. So, wow. nice. like, people didn't really talk about him a lot, but I, like, he was well respected. Of course, you can't hear it on the clip there, but... As he says, everybody hates Wheeler High School. He's kind of looking over to see if Amir's giving him a reaction. So you've got a guy that can dish it out a little bit. And after the camera's cut off, Coach Amir Abdurrahim gets up. I don't think he minds me saying this and saying, yeah, when you win 10 state titles, everybody's going to hate you. And then he said, and pretty soon everybody's going to hate South Florida. So that's a nice little attitude to have. Now, he can dish it out, Chris Youngblood, but he can also take it. You knew we were going to get around to asking him about the infamous. And again, if you want to seek out the video of this, the video is put over the top of when I spring it on Chris Youngblood here, the water bottle incident, which was captured during a timeout where he's trying to, you know, hydrate and has the water bottle turned the wrong way and just shoots a jet stream out onto the bench. And it went viral. So listen, hopefully this... Been dancing around it this whole season ends with a nice celebration. I could see a conference championship or something like that. Now, this is going to come out of left field. You're not going to see, you're not going to know what direction this is going. So, I want to suggest when that happens, when, it doesn't have to be conference championship, it can be whatever. It can be after a big win, big win on the road. Get everybody in a circle, and instead of like dousing your coach with a water bottle, just shoot them at each other. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry, man. <laughs> Sorry. Did you know right away? That's the perfect. Did you know right away that that was there's no way that wasn't going to be on camera and that you're going to get something for it, or did you hope that you could sort of just slide back on the court? I love that it was zoomed in on you too, like that exact moment too. It was on you. Like in the moment, I'm more so like thinking like, man, I hope like maybe two people saw it. Right. Maybe two or three people saw it in the huddle. Like nobody's paying attention. Like I thought it happened faster than it looked like on video. So man, when I did it. I'm just laughing. I hope everybody forget about it five, ten minutes later. And then I, I walk out um, the tunnel after the game. Everybody showed me the video. I'm like, started just going viral like, immediately. Just by my luck, I, I bet you it's going to go viral, man. This is just about my luck. Your look and Greg's. I think it was Greg's yeah. reaction right behind you. He was losing it. Coach Griff all of a sudden looked up like, what? Did I just miss something? Yeah. Right. But I saw the collab on ESPN and Sports, over 16 million views. I guess it was worth it if you got that many views. Kaylee Cottrell, Joey Johnston, of course, the other voices you heard on the show. Again, loved bringing it to you. If you missed it on Thursday, it's out there on video and on audio. We'll replay it a couple times today. Tonight we will have, starting at 6.30, live men's basketball, the Bulls against the Rice Owls. So, again, that was enjoyable. You can check out the whole thing. We'll give you a little clip of Eric Jenkins here in this segment. But also, there's a game tonight against the Rice Owls, a team that has one outstanding score. In fact, he just went over the 2,000-point career mark the other day. Travis Evie. Even before he got to Rice, where he scored 1,600 points alone, he was a solid player at VMI, but he has averaged at least 13.5 points every single season. This year is his highest with right on 17. Mentioned he started his career at VMI. That was the team that I think led the nation in threes, and he hit 77 of them. Had back-to-back games with six makes, including one against Virginia Tech. Now this year he's only hit five threes once, but he's... Going to keep jacking those up. He's actually shooting his career worst percentage, 31 for 100, which I think you can figure out the percentage there, but for his career, again, 77 his first season, 
and he is three shy of 350 from distance for his career. 6-1 guard, just a dynamite score. He scored 28 or 29 three times this year. He's not their only weapon, but obviously he's their big weapon. Max Fiedler only averages nine points a game, but he's top five in the conference in both assists and rebounds. He averages nearly nine boards with 74 assists, so that is a rare combination, a talented offensive team that has no lost three in a row. Very interesting, their last game, we've been telling you about the water damage to Rice's Tudor Fieldhouse, which has been cleared up. There was a women's game there last night. We'll tell you about that in our second segment. It's where the women are going to be on Sunday afternoon. Before losing at St. Thomas, a small school in Houston, before a packed gym of 1,500 fans to UTSA in overtime over the weekend, they went to Tulane and lost by 25 before that. They got beat at home by Louisiana by 17. Now they preceded that having won five of six with the only loss at Houston, but really none of those teams that they beat were in the high degree of difficulty range that was coming off a multi-team event where they got handled in Henderson, Nevada, 103-88 by Ryan Conwell in Indiana State, then New Mexico, which is an NCAA tournament-looking team, 90-56 to before they dropped a 15-point game to last year's Big West regular season champs, Cal Irvine. You like the Bulls' chances against the 6-9 and nine Rice Owls. Bulls come in 8-5, and 1-1 one and one in the league, and this is a big one because their next one is at Memphis. And, you know, don't look now. Memphis and FAU are the top two teams in the league, but they keep getting challenged. We said that over the weekend, Rice lost to UTSA in overtime. Well, Memphis beat UTSA in overtime in Memphis on Wednesday night, 107-101. FAU last night got pushed to the last second in New Orleans in a wild game I was watching, 85-84. FAU's actually lost to Charlotte. Memphis has been pushed twice in a row. They had to come back to beat SMU. Even the best teams in the league can be beaten. And so where do the Bulls slot in there? It's going to be fun to keep an eye on. Tonight's game is the only one in the conference, and it's on ESPNU. But you'll be listening on Bulls Unlimited. Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston hit the air at 6.30. Also today, the indoor track and field season begins. That's how my conversation with Eric Jenkins on Bullseye begins. Here's a little clip. Yeah, so we start our indoor season this weekend up in Gainesville. They just built a facility, uh, 200 meter bank track. Um, and that's becoming pretty common. Uh, we'll compete on a 200 meter bank track in uh, Louisville in two weeks. Uh, then we'll follow up, uh, go up to uh, Boston. And then we'll finish up in Chicago at a new facility they have up there as well. So we'll get to run on some of the premier track and field facilities in the country. Um, and then obviously we'll host our conference championship in Birmingham, which has hosted the NCAA championship. We chatted for a good 10, 12 minutes, and the whole thing is not only on the stream. We'll replay the show several times today, but it's up on video on demand if you want to. The festivities began at 9 o'clock on Friday. Great preview article on GoUSFBulls.com that has every single student-athlete that's going to be competing and their event and their time, and since it's indoors, it should go on time. Learned a lot from Coach Jenkins. And if you're wondering the background noise, we were originally going to do a sort of walk and talk thing. And maybe we're going to have some video gags like me, you know, tripping over hurdles, which would have been not much of a stretch. But women's lacrosse is using the field part of the track and field stadium to practice. And if you're wondering, there's nets set up, temporary nets, so that, you know, those using the track aren't getting waylaid by lacrosse balls. But if you listen to the whole interview, which I'd urge you to do, and boy, he was talking about some of the newcomers to this team, including one with a not just great, sorry for the pun, track record, but 
with a great first name of Goodness, I would highly advise you seek that out. Goodness, did a women's basketball player have a fantastico game on Wednesday night? We'll give some highlights. Tennis, which actually got started. Division One tennis on Thursday. And the men's and women's tennis teams both looking to have strong springs. They actually have a youth clinic that they're holding on Saturday before getting it going next week. We'll talk to both head coaches, Ashley Fisher for the men, Christina Morris for the women next week for sure. I know that the men next Sunday have an exhibition against my alma mater, Florida Southern, which is coached by my good friend and former Bulls assistant, Rhett Rollison. I'm going to try and, of course, make it out for that. Golf will be going before too long. Joey Johnston put out a great article. He's the senior writer for GoUSFBulls.com on the women's team trying to even build on their NCAA tournament squad from last year. Got to the NCAA for the first time in more than a decade with one of the last at-large spots. Well, you'd prefer to be a little higher ranked, and the Bulls after the fall are, if you missed it, number 33, and the men's team ranked 37, so two strong squads that we'll be talking about more as we get into the spring. Women's basketball looks strong on Wednesday night. After blowing that big lead against Tulane, they were not going to blow this lead. 68-52 against Tulsa. The Bulls had a tremendous offensive night, but also held down the league's leading score. Tamira Poindexter averaged 20 to 10 points, and she got the last three in the last minute when clearly she was out there just to extend her double-figure scoring streak. But she did not make it three in eight attempts and was just four for 17. Now, the Bulls only had one player make threes, but she made plenty of them and plenty of buckets. Enjoy the Vicky Blasic show, condensed to a few minutes. As you hear, seven on the shot clock, Romy Levy takes it double teamed off to Blasic. Great to see her put up a three and make the three. That is something that the Bulls are used to seeing their fans here at home. They lead it nine to three, all the options are clicking. And Blasic's been the big one, knocks down a three. I said knocks down because I knew it was going down. And it stays 14 to four with 3.20 to go in the first quarter. Bulls go the other direction. Blasic behind the back, spin. She has come out strong here tonight. Blasic. Looks unstoppable right now. Pulls up from the elbow and drops it in for a 12 point. She's outscoring Tulsa by herself. It's 18 to four. You have got to love the start. It's a great start and you'd like to see somebody potentially be having a special night. And that's something you're seeing a little bit from Blasic. I mean, they are stuck to her like glue right now. It is face guarding, no help. That is with Cam Matthews. Blasic is trying to take her on now. Gets a screen from Emma. Just needed that extra half step to drop a jumper over her. And Angie Nelp needs help. 20 to 4 with 2.13 to go in the first quarter. Blasic already has 14 points. Double screen here. It's going to come here for Blasic right there. She's going to back screen and then screen the screener right there. Oh, Ava she's open. said it, and she's going to have to get around for a longer look. Boy, did you call that one. Jose Fernandez looks back at the bench. Another three for Blasic. Two in a row to start the second half. Six and a half to go in the third quarter. Wilson with a nice screen from Blasic. Puts her head down. Oh, Tough beautiful. Oh, my gosh. A beautiful shot. It was beautiful. Vicky Blasic, 10 makes from the floor. She has 28. By the way, Tulsa has 33 and Blasic has 28. Shoot that indeed. Fantastico. And there it is. Fantastico indeed. A career high 33 points for the Italian. 55 to 40 is the score. And Blasic, 5 for 8 on threes. That was a fun one to call. And yeah, we were looking at the all time mark of 44 by Shantia Grace because this game was not really put away until the very end, even though the Bulls were comfortably in front. It means a lot. It means Bulls now have two legitimate scores in form, and Carla Brito 
who had a lot of fun in this game despite sitting out early with foul trouble. I thought her 9.5 rebound in just 15-minute effort was important. Speaking of foul trouble, Ariel Wilson fouled out two quick ones, only played 16 minutes, but still had seven assists and four rebounds and was a plus 24 in her 16 minutes on the floor. Next up, the Rice Owls, who were the only one of the six incoming teams picked in the top half of the conference, and right now they're near the top. They were third in the preseason poll. At the top is Charlotte, after actually beating Rice in Houston at their Tudor Fieldhouse on Thursday night. It was another close game. I anticipate the Bulls and Owls being a close one. Rice is 8-6. and six. You look at their losses. Of course, last night was close. Ended up being 61-54, but it was a two-point game with about a minute to go. They got beat at TCU, which until recently was undefeated. Close defeats to Georgia Tech, Gonzaga, which is good, and their rival Houston, who got them. At Houston, they also dropped an 11-point decision to Stephen F. Austin. You'd have to say their most impressive victory was the one before last night when they scored at the buzzer to beat SMU. Graduate student Destiny Jackson hit that shot. She is one of three Owls in double figures. They don't have that one dominant score. Dominique Ennis leads the way. She's their top three-point shooter at around 13 points a game. Then both Destiny Jackson and Malia Fisher, who was picked preseason all-second conference, right on 10.3 per contest. Fisher tosses in around seven rebounds a game. They also have a three-point shooter hitting to the tune of 42% off the bench, Maya Bakunowitz. I'm sure it'll be close. It's kind of been that way all year long for the Bulls in conference play. We'll be on the air 1245. Tampa time from Tudor, the Tudor Fieldhouse on the campus of Rice. Last night also, Tierra Young for SMU scored 38 points. They won in double overtime at Memphis. Due to foul trouble, they finished the game with four on the floor. So there's been a lot of drama in the AAC. And the reason that Charlotte and Rice were the two left unbeaten teams when they played each other last night was that East Carolina got stunned at home Wednesday by UAB, which was without its top player and rebounder. So it's completely wide open, it looks like. By the way, the next Bulls opponent after Rice is Texas San Antonio, and the Bulls will be watching that game on the bus ride from Houston to San Ann because the Roadrunners host, guess who, undefeated Charlotte on Sunday afternoon. We'll have plenty to talk to you about, not only during the broadcast Sunday, but also on Monday morning's Bulls Beat. I'm Derek Sharp.